if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode seven of season two of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. We have plenty to catch up on this week because um, we've had 13 match days of this uh, exciting and unique Premier League season. And we've only done six episodes. This is our seventh. Last week, again, someone was injured in the warm up. It took a dive. <laughs> But poor George is uh, uh, back with us, um, full health, uh, full availability, and uh, plenty of defeats to recount uh, for his beloved Leeds United. Welcome, George. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Yeah, I know you are. And uh, Nick is with us too, Nick Gilmer, the Manchester United fan. Um, things have been going steadily on an upward trajectory since that Derby Day defeat. So uh, some some better news for you to recount as well tonight. Absolutely. Let's talk a lot about that United Spurs fixture. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, of course we will. <laughs> I'm your host, Alexander Gross, and uh, as he has, as my colleague Nick has just anticipated, I'm the Spurs fan. Um increasingly disgruntled and especially that night uh, watching events at Old Trafford which was um, really horrible not for the first time <laughs> so yeah it's actually three match days that we need to recount on the, our last pod was going to be after the uh, fabulous uh, weekend that ended with the blockbuster Sunday afternoon fixture at Anfield Liverpool against Man City this match uh, has been the top fixture in the league for the last few years three or four years I'd say there were those two twos last season which were fantastic they just lacked a winner this time we did get a winner and it was Liverpool which uh, on this occasion I think I was backing them since they're a little bit adrift Salah reminded us of uh, what a great player he is with that fantastic goal to win it uh, when he turned Cancelo and um, finished past Edison. There was also VAR controversy with Foden's goal disallowed. There was uh, coins thrown at um, Pep. There was a naughty chance from the city end. There was uh, a red card for Klopp. Nick, I know you would have loved that one. (laughs) Uh, Just desserts for his antics. Yeah, and it was just downright, uh, downright great, great, great game technically, tactically, and uh, in terms of drama. Elsewhere on that weekend, well, really that took all the headlines, but um, we won 2 0 on a tea time uh, kickoff against Frank Lampard's Everton. That was quite interesting um, tactically, insofar as the hiding that Everton took at our stadium last season caused Lampard to set up even more cautiously than a Conte team, if that is possible. And uh, he paid for it because um, Tottenham basically, for once, had more of the possession and were able to play some football and uh, score a couple of goals. Uh, That's how I saw it anyway. Fulham Bournemouth, two promoted teams in a score draw. Chelsea, one at Aston Villa with uh, just a characteristic error from uh, the man you call a cart horse, George, Tyrone Mings. That uh, was delicious, wasn't it? (laughs) That header that went straight up into the air and uh, Mason Mount (laughs) gleefully accepted. Man United, Newcastle, almost nothing to say about that one, except what what a sort of trigger that fixture was for our memories of the start of last season. Those heady days of Ronaldo coming back to Old Trafford and uh, you won, what was it, 4-0 that day? That yeah. Day of the well, and, and uh, then Rashford went and missed the chance to win it right at the end, which 
prompted a lot of if Ronaldo were on the pitch questions. Yeah, this time round, yeah, this time round, uh, a nil-nil. But uh, we will get on to Newcastle's visit to Spurs shortly, and uh, I can attest that they have a fantastic defence. They do have the best defence in the league, looking at numbers, and they do. They did look to me from from uh, up on high they, as though they had an excellent back four. Just a second, you spoke like you were Jesus then from up, up on high. From up on high, yeah. I mean, in the gods. So, yeah. I mean, it's heavenly, that's for sure, in that stadium. Uh, Leeds Arsenal, huge disappointment for everyone, not least um, George, but especially because I was uh, following the comments on that game and Leeds uh, got a lot of praise, were playing excellently. Uh, but in the second half, uh, Bamford, who was back for you, um, got a penalty and missed it. And then um, you got a penalty at the end from a from a purported handball from Gabriel, the uh, rather suspect-looking Gabriel. Uh, and I was only following this on text, and I I, I couldn't believe it. I thought you were going to get that chance to um, make Arsenal drop some points, uh, as well as get a very valuable one for yourself, of course. Um, and it didn't happen because George. Uh, everything was rescinded. VAR came into play. I thought you were going to say get a chance to miss another one. <laughs> yeah, no, um, <laughs> which would inevitably have happened. Bamford yeah. was going to step up, wasn't he, to uh, take it? I think. Yeah, I assume so. Yeah, I but yeah, so. then they denied him the chance. For once, uh, they went to the screen and uh, overturned mm. uh, in a negative way. <laughs> did not give the penalty. But then uh, when I did see that. Uh, on match day two later that night, I, I even I had to say I wouldn't want a penalty given for that because absolutely was, uh, not. No, I'd be raging be if that was against us. No, yeah. absolutely not. Okay, so pretty much uh, that was last weekend, as in um, two weekends ago, and then we had a midweek round of which the uh, outstanding fixture was certainly at Old Trafford. I was excited about it, even though I am um, dreading almost every game, but certainly every big game against big opponents. Uh, under Conte and here he was missing uh, Kulusevski and Richarlison these two great attacking creative figures so he put that extra man in midfield and he played Bentancur, Hoiberg and Bissouma and uh, just well I mean to say that we gave you too much respect Nick would be an enormous understatement but basically you just had a laugh um, that night and a great performance yeah you could say that Amazon Prime really delivered um, oh dear <laughs> the uh, I mean United were brilliant I have to say, I wasn't expecting that. And uh, But United come on, had... we let you be. Yeah, surely. and they came up against a Spurs team that just didn't bother, and yeah. it helped. But for the first time in, in literally years, United seemed to now have a midfield that can control matches and not wait like a coiled spring to hit yeah. on the break. And it makes such a difference for a team at the top end of the, of the table. And well, what you just described is exactly what we're doing. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. what I'm annoyed at, waiting like a coiled spring, or not even that coiled. <laughs> yeah, like a flabby, yeah. <laughs> flabby spring. An overused slinky. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, you've talked about it on the pod a few times. Spurs do not seem to ha- want to, to drive matches. And yeah. it's been my criticism of United playing on the counter against teams vastly inferior, actually. Yeah. And I think Spurs probably could have looked through that United team and felt almost to a man better. But they played like they turned up for a draw. United knocked it around. And to be honest, it could have been a lot worse for Spurs. Yes, and I would like to draw a line under it there because uh, I was just fed <laughs> up. Um, I, I, I couldn't understand how we could go... One nil down there and still change nothing. Didn't we bring on the likes of Ben Davis and those sorts of people later on? I mean, just oh, 
odious, really, uh, but well done. And uh, Newcastle kept uh, mo- motoring up the league uh, fairly under the radar until until this last weekend. But they beat Everton uh, 1-0 with um, Miggy Almiron, who's uh, completely transformed since he was slagged off by Jack Grealish, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. Uh, great season. Darwin Nunes scored his first goal at Anfield against West Ham. I mean... I think they've West Ham have had one win there in 60 years or something, so no surprises there. Chelsea dropped points at Brentford. That old theory of Brentford being a hard place at night uh, maybe resurrected there. And um, Fulham smashed Aston Villa 3-0 and cost uh, Stephen Gerrard his job, didn't they? Yeah, before he had a chance to get on the yeah. coach. <laughs> yeah, brutal. within an hour of full time, he was gone. Very um, strange way of doing it. Yeah. Apparently the phone call actually came while he was on the bus. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, well, I yeah. that's what I read on Twitter, but um, if you can't believe Twitter, where can you believe these days? And therefore, it must have been at the same time that Leeds were on their journey home from the King Power from another 2 0 defeat uh, against Leicester. Do you want to comment on that one, George? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I take it. <laughs> Not really. Um, I mean, similar to the Arsenal game in a way, in that. You know the old, well, not old, <laughs> the new way of looking at things in in stats terms of xG. Yeah, it was less than one. Less than we somehow could try to give them a two 0 win. Again, I um, I heard on the radio that uh, updates from the King mm, Power saying that Leeds were well on top in that first half. Well on and top, then, yeah, yeah. This is actually not the same as the Arsenal game. The Arsenal game was in reverse. Started poorly, finished brilliantly uh, in the second half. But um, yeah, gifted them a two goals. Really, they had one shot on target and win two 0 Get your head around that. <laughs> so no, not much more to say than uh, another dismal day in a long, long line of them now. Yeah, and um, obviously that ramped up the pressure on Marsh. There, there's beginnings of some talks about him. That- uh, I, I certainly saw it said in a few places that he's under pressure from Leeds fans. Your, your sort that, of- that was the first oh, time. The fans are mm. the fans are against him now, but the board is not. Is that the way you'd say? It? Yes. Um, and that Leicester game is the first time there's been any sort of dissent from the crowd because they've tried to. Right. You know, he 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 did save us in inverted commas last season by mm. the skin of you know, well, not in skin and teeth, less than that. Um, <laughs> and so we're prepared to give him a chance. Started this season really well. Um, but that Leicester game was the first time of I mean it's very, very unhelpful. I'm dead against it, but chance of Bielsa and booze. And he he always goes to the away fans after any result, and he didn't, which didn't go down well at all. Oh. Um so yeah, there were there were severe grumblings, but that was amplified significantly at the weekend, which I'm sure we'll come to. We will after this break. Over the Line is the exciting new book by Alexander Gross on the unparalleled rivalry between England and Germany. It is an in-depth look at 120 years of Anglo-German encounters, from the Christmas truce to the recent success of Gareth Southgate's England. Over the Line is available on Amazon and all good bookstores from the 12th of September. Okay, welcome back to part two. So we've caught up on the uh, two match days before this past weekend, which was uh, match day number 13, 22nd, 23rd of October, for those of you losing track. But yeah, we were talking about Leeds' woes and uh, Marsh under pressure, uh, discontent from the fans, a voluble discontent from the fans for the first time, says George. And then you had really the kind of fixture that you'd want, a promoted team at home on Sunday, not sure why. Because uh, yeah. we played Thursday. 
Oh, um, because you had the Amazon. Thursday night Amazon mm-hmm. match, right? Thank you. And uh, what happened here then? Who scored first? Was it Rodrigo? No, we did. Wasn't it? That's, yeah. yeah. So another good start. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was one-one with quite a lot of the game gone. And then uh, I was at the uh, I was at the ground for the Spurs Newcastle game and looked up at uh, looked up at the screen with the scores. And suddenly uh, Fulham had banged another two in. Willian even on the score well, sheet. I was going to reference this because any diehard listeners will have heard me mock that signing at the start <laughs> yeah. of the season as a, as, yeah. a, as a weird one. Yeah, um, that's, so that was destined to happen. Right. So uh, I don't want to be too bleak, George, but obviously it ended 3-2, another defeat then. Anfield next, hmm. nine points, 18th place. Such a good start. We know that Leeds yeah. can get results and play well. We know they've got good players. It's not, we've been unwilling to call it a crisis, but uh, it is now, isn't it? she shakes his head slightly (laughs) but um yeah i suppose the question to you is you'll have low expectations from anfield but then bournemouth Mm. at home next on bonfire night i mean is it sort of must win territory now and how do you feel gosh uh i think liverpool away is probably an ideal fixture in a weird way because no one's expecting us to get anything from it and and i think that's probably why they haven't pulled the trigger yet in the boardroom because yeah what's the point in changing manager when we've got three games before the world cup break yeah two of them are uh liverpool away and spurs away which despite your grumblings i wouldn't expect us to get anything from at all bournemouth at home could be the one you know if he could get a result from that and more than likely lose either two you might have a bit of state of execution but I think at the moment it's a case of yeah what's the point in getting someone in now we've got a month break coming up well more than a month isn't it it's like six yeah. week break mm-hmm. and that's probably the time I did say this in an earlier part I think that I think a few clubs will do that some have just gone a bit early like Aston Villa we've talked about is it a crisis I mean the difference between this and the end of Bielsa was we were starting to get absolutely spanked under Bielsa week in, week out, and we haven't actually had that at all. It's all been rather narrow defeats here and there. It's just these kind of games like Palace away where we actually take the lead. And Yeah, what, and, what about this pattern of starting so well and then losing? Mm. What's that about? I don't know. The same happened at Brentford. I mean, I know they ended up scoring five, but we had started that game very well. And then this ridiculous three-minute-long penalty decision just seemed to get in, and they all held their heads dropped. Same at Leicester. Start really well, scoring on goal. It's a bit woe is me, it feels like. Um, Mentality. Yeah. and Mentality minnows. Potentially. I don't know if his marsh is over. <laughs> He's a bit too excitable. He's a bit of an excitable puppy sometimes. It's probably a bit annoying. As, as one of the players to hear all that every week. Um, right. I think I saw at the end of the Arsenal game, he was really pumped about the fact we just lost. You know, it's not... Yeah, he likes a well. confrontation as well. Loves a confrontation. I do like that side of him, actually. It's quite... I am looking forward to him against... Oh, no, Clock won't be on the side then, will he? Because bam, that's a shame. That would have been... Uh, that would have been tasty for sure. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I, it's, it's really not good. It's eight games in a row now without a win since that silly day against Chelsea. Um. I guess we need to just, I mean, Bamford needs to just score off his ass or something like that. Like something just has to go in, give the guy a break. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I felt sorry for him with that missed penalty. Yeah. You thought that was the moment. He, he's, he's a very streaky striker. He'll do these little bursts of four or five goals and then, then not score for four or five games or whatever. So he just needs to find the back of the net. This this is the biggest complaint amongst Leeds fans is everyone said, we need a striker, we need a striker, we need a striker. Bamford had been judged for the best part of a year. 
and we didn't buy one and even marsh said openly that he really wanted one we didn't get one i was thinking about this earlier today and looking at the stats on the, on the fpl website we actually had two players in the top 10 for chances created which is mad considering we're 18th yeah. we're obviously creating chances we are playing okay we're just not scoring goals and i mean you can't concede three goals home to fulham that's just i know they're in the top half but they're still a promoted team as you say so on that note of you yeah. uh, playing quite well for where mm-hmm. you are in the league now in 18th, yeah. let me address this question to both of you now. Um, mm-hmm. What do we make of the developing picture down there at that end of the league? Because it's quite interesting, isn't it? You've had mm-hmm. Nottingham Forest, who seemed to be uh, the first team perhaps to be dropped. They were the mm-hmm. headline makers this weekend with a fabulous 1-0 home victory against Liverpool. Yeah. And uh, now you've got three clubs on nine points, Leeds, Wolves and Forest. Mm. We've got Leicester, obviously, with that woeful start, but they're picking up in form. You've got Southampton, who you never know how they're going yeah, to turn up. Yeah. Villa with Unai Emery coming in now uh, from Villarreal, where he's been exceptionally successful, you'd have to say. Bournemouth doing really well under O'Neill. Mm. Uh, Palace mm. and Everton also on 13 points. It's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, um, six points separate Brighton and ninth with Forest and Bottom. What do we think? Who's who's like well? Who are the who are the two or three teams who definitely will be down there? Uh, Leeds. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I wasn't fishing for that. No, but it, the worry is that we're worse off in this stage last season. Um, like I said, we survived just. Yeah. And it's a harder league. You just explained that it's a harder league because there's no Norwich <laughs> taking yeah. up one of the spaces or Fulham, who usually do. Oh gosh, I don't know. Very very hard to call. Um, Fulham on 18 points after that win fantastic yeah I did see a stat about that it, it, almost nobody's got relegated after having that many points mm. I think Bournemouth's position is a false one I think mm. um, I, I expect them to be down the bottom and I think Forrest albeit having caught Klopp's boys at exactly the right moment I think Forrest will be down there as well I think it'll yeah. be one other I'm going to jinx it for you I'm afraid George I think Leeds will be alright I think they've got too much quality and if they can get Bamford scoring then they've got what most of those teams down there don't have. Leicester will be fine but I think this weekend showed that if just a couple of those stars that they've got like Tielemans and Vardy start playing they're far too good to be down. Oh that would be a disgrace if they went down yeah. Yeah Southampton are just difficult to work out. Um, I'll tell you who are a mess and that's Wolves who seem to be treading water for the time it takes to get to the World Cup like you're saying George it seems Mm. like they've got their hearts set on could be Southgate. It could be another international manager who knows. They need a whole change of ideology. I mean, having yeah. watched them this season, they really are awful. They were they were the only team that made us look well, they, uh, less boring. They were okay with their lack of goals because they never conceded many, but that's yeah. changed. So they're in real trouble. I, I saw that the QPR boss turned them down, which is a massive smack in the face. Yeah, yeah, um, indeed. Which, so yeah, I don't know what they're playing at. And he I mean, was that, the same one who left Gerard at Villa. Yes, he was his assistant. The and then Gerard's form went off a cliff after he left, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. big fallout with McGinn, I believe it was. But um, <laughs> this is maybe a theory. This is one of your conspiracy theories, maybe, Nick. Maybe Leeds are waiting for someone. Maybe we're waiting I, for I, someone to become available. I don't know. I was going to ask you, actually, would you want Leeds? Pochettino. Well, I, I can imagine <laughs> there will be a clutch of clubs who will want... I think we, we've agreed on this pod before that we think Southgate is probably going to take a break after England. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Leeds would probably be one of the clutch of clubs if they were managerless who would go for him, along with Wolves, who I think will probably fancy it. I'm surprised Villa weren't in the mix. 
Deitch still looking for a job? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely wrong for Leeds. Like, that's a complete ideological <laughs> shift. But... Yeah, Deitch was on uh, Monday Night Football yes, uh, yesterday, uh, basically submitting a, a broadcast uh, job application, wasn't it? Yeah. If we go anywhere near Gerard, I will. I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> well, you'll have probably Coutinho rocking up on loan in January. Oh, yeah. Christ. Let's um, leave let's leave it on that thought for now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, George. Okay, welcome back to part three. Elsewhere this past weekend, I mean we've mentioned probably the biggest headline that was Forrest's uh, lunchtime win over Liverpool on Saturday. Everton with Calvert Lewin back uh, destroyed Crystal Palace. Did you see the little clip of the Everton fans cheering them playing out from the back? <laughs> there was there were audible cheers and encouragement for them for Pickford playing it out and uh, playing out from the back and they they built uh, a really really good move that uh, finished in a goal as well so um yeah another uh, sadly another string to Lampard's bow there as his uh, reputation <laughs> continues to grow um to our amusement um Haaland only a brace um Trossard great goal Man City three Brighton one nothing else to say about that really and Saturday finished with um, an almost inevitable draw at Stamford Bridge between Chelsea and Manchester United, who've drawn 26 times with each other, I saw. But it came like old United at the very end, Nick. Oh, it was an, a thing of absolute beauty. And um, genuinely, like the difference between a, a mediocre... Uh, listener, and... George is grimacing hard. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was the difference between a mediocre week and quite a good week, actually, I think, for Ten Hag, beating Spurs... Drawing with Newcastle, United needed to not lose. And to be honest, I'd have taken a, a drab nil-nil beforehand and another clean sheet. But to draw with one of the last moves of the game, Casemiro scoring and celebrating like we'd won the World Cup, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a thing of absolute beauty. Oh, I always find it very satisfying when they show that goal line decision clip and the ball is just over in favour of your team. That's yeah. always fantastic. <laughs> And another, or one of the few reasons that we can really get behind VAR, I think, because that goal wouldn't have stood or wouldn't have been very hard to give had it yeah. not been for VAR. Because actually, as it was grounded by the keeper, it was it was back inside, it was outside of the goal. Um, but And you yeah. were a bit annoyed with the uh, McTominay wrestling because you say uh, that's given that's not given up and down the country every week it's and just then it stupid, was given. isn't it it's like the inconsistency like that is i mean scott mctominy is stupid for making it so obvious but that yeah. is a foul that's committed at every set piece but we want to see them given don't we i don't care i just want consistency <laughs> <laughs> i don't mind if they're never given i don't mind if they're given every single time but i don't want them just given against scott mctominy because he's brain dead and too big to make it look like an accident um, By the way, uh, since we're talking refereeing and Manchester United and your misgivings, I'm not going to let you off, uh, although it was a boring nil-nil. Callum Wilson's denied penalty at Old Trafford. That was a 1990s Old Trafford denied penalty. It really was. Uh, yeah. I, Absolute I stonewall. There's been a couple of those this last week, actually, in the mm. three rounds, where you're scratching your head wondering why either they've not checked it. Or... Did either of you see the Monday Night Football yesterday with uh, West Ham Bournemouth? Ham I, I know it's not exactly a box office fixture, but um, Bournemouth were on the wrong side of two VAR decisions. I can see the reasons for both of them. Have you seen these clips? I've seen the handball because it's been talked about by um, my West Ham supporting friend on our WhatsApp group. Okay, so there's one where it comes into the box and it hits Carer's hands, but they're in front of him. 
And then there's a little bit more penalty box pinball before West Ham actually score. So the reason that it wasn't, the, the goal wasn't ruled out, uh, despite it being a handball, was that it didn't lead directly to a goal. Remember two seasons ago or so during the pandemic, they were giving absolutely anything that even touched a hand that led to a goal. Yeah. And now they've changed it That's to say that it has to lead directly to a goal. But obviously the, the Bournemouth manager was aggrieved. And then it made it, it was compounded by the fact that later a, a VAR decision went against them again for a handball in the box by one of their players. But that replay is really damning as well. That was a penalty. So I can see the reasons for both, but I can also see why Gary O'Neill is really aggrieved. I think he said they've had 10 VAR calls this season and all have gone against them. So that is quite bad. It is mad though. Like It reminds me of that, the Rashford one against Everton where he has been a judge to handle it. And to be honest, that's questionable. But he's through on goal. If he passes that, the goal yes. stands. If, yeah, if he scores... Exactly. The goal doesn't stand. And That's exactly it. What, and that, that rule has been changed fairly recently, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. But coming back to United-Chelsea, yeah, I think it sets United up nicely for three winnable league fixtures before the World Cup. And I think win all of those and, and uh, Ten Hag's started really, yes, brilliant, uh, really brilliantly. West Ham and home. Well, we've got uh, twice in a week and Villa have just done the the new manager to, yeah. to have, have our trousers down. But um We'll see. So they're also in the cup in that uh, strange cup fixture just before they travel. And you've got um, West Ham and Fulham as well. That's right. And I think West Ham are good enough to not be worrying about the bottom of the league, but they're not as good as they were last season. And they've also got a European fixture just before we play them. And I think the Europa League is tough for for smaller squads. Yes. Yeah. Yes. uh, Let me tell you about my uh, day out uh, and ensuing night out um, (laughs) when the Geordies came to town. So it started uh, with a large gathering of people on the uh, forecourt behind our magnificent new stadium uh, under the the large south stand where they've erected a screen and they've called it a fan zone. The weather was very changeable, as we know, but the sun was shining at uh, three in the afternoon or so. And uh, thousands, well, no, I say perhaps several hundred Spurs fans were gathered there to watch uh, Southampton, basically, (laughs) Uh, because uh, Arsenal were playing at uh, St Mary's. And of course, closer to the end of the game, um, Armstrong scored for Southampton and uh, Arsenal dropped points for the first time since they were at Old Trafford. Isn't that right, Nick? So uh, that got a huge cheer uh, and we were excited, although as I've already registered on this show all season, really, and some of last season, um, I'm underwhelmed by our playing style and I'm worried about almost every game even though this was going to be our 10th I think this would have been our 11th home victory in a row uh, had we beaten Newcastle on Sunday which of course lamentably we didn't but yeah that run goes back to um, Brighton in the spring so that's why George always tells me um, I shouldn't complain and uh, it's actually we're actually doing really well and of course we're still in third even now. Um, so I do understand that Spoil. argument. Spoil, yeah. yeah, I am. Yes, I am and we are. <laughs> uh, I do understand that argument. He is getting points on the board. But firstly, there's the thing about big games. So City was called off because of the Queen's uh, passing this season. But we've um, been to the bridge. We've been to Arsenal. And we've been to Old Trafford now and we didn't really put any showing in in any of those. And we were extremely fortunate to 
get away from Stamford Bridge with that point, with that last-minute Harry Kane goal. That was just luck, really. All three performances were rubbish, as far as I'm concerned, and paid far too much respect to the opposition, most notably Manchester United, because we know how what their weaknesses are. And then the fact of the matter is that now, 12 games into this season, a year into the Saudi ownership, Newcastle are pretty much one of those now. They are a big team now. Um, we made merciless fun of them last season because we knew we were on borrowed time doing that, I think. And we all know they're going to win the league soon and win all sorts of trophies. But um, what I would say about them is they have a fabulous uh, back four. Uh, they've only conceded 10 goals, which is the best in the league. Then they have these rejuvenated attacking players like Almiron. I mean, he's not even one of their Saudi signings. So, um, so Maximan's missing, but he's one of my favourite players to watch. Uh, so yeah, they're a decent side. And once again... Uh, we were poor against them. Uh, actually, in the first half, I, I thought that it was a decent performance from us, albeit with tactics that I don't agree with. But given those tactics are now guaranteed when you turn up to the stadium, we had two magnificent chances to go into the lead. And then probably we would have sat on that lead well and contained the game and probably would have won, I would say. I don't know. But then came this horrible error in the back. Uh, Dyer had an awful performance. I've been defending him um, in recent weeks because I've seen him do quite well in Champions League matches. But he really had a, a stinker. And then um, there was a there was a mix up at the back, and Lloris came out and did something that caused an Alison Blunderland headline a few months ago. Uh, that sort of thing. So that was awful. And then Almiron scored a great goal as well just before halftime. I was in the bar by that point, as I always am, 2-0 down. And you just know, you can't see this team scoring three from there, maybe two. But um, we got the one, we put pressure on. It was all very disappointing, basically. And it and, and it fizzled out. Um, as you know, um, Richarlison and Kulisevsky both missing. He also rested Hoiberg and Romero, which are two of our most important players, I would say, certainly Romero, after the midweek exertions, underline that word, dubious um, exertions in Old Trafford. But uh, yeah, so it was under understrength team with people like Skip, and then he brought on Ben Davis and Doherty. Uh, that just made people grumble even more in the stadium. Um, but really, there isn't anyone else to bring on. Lucas came on, tried really, really hard. Um I mean, that made me wonder why he didn't start, quite frankly. So that was another annoyance. But yes. Um, I thought your potential comeback was hampered by that. And as you know, what how annoyed I get about these VR decisions taking like three minutes to decide. Mm. There was nothing wrong with Kane's goal. And everyone could see it from the first replay. I don't know if you've seen it back. But I don't know what I was like in the stadium waiting for that goal to be given. We were celebrating, I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it, it 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 kind of can impact the impetus. Yes, it can. Yeah, on a yeah. on a goal back and it can. Uh, yeah. it was, there was it, there was a period after that goal that was really good and the sound mm, like, yeah. that there was there was a good vibe in the stadium and we thought we were going to do it and then when that mm. fizzles out, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. bad. I lumped on three two as well, <laughs> so I was backing you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I should say, uh, speaking of 3-2, um, also since our last show, I went to the Eintracht Frankfurt game where we started terribly, like looked really nervous and they scored and we were 1-0 down and their fans were phenomenal. I think that was a large part of the reason we were so like rabbits in headlights because their fans were just uh, fantastic and making the whole place shake in their little corner. But we rallied back with three goals in that one. So that was good. But yeah, no such luck against uh, United or Newcastle. So more of the same, um, two defeats plus the one against Arsenal. I just can't see us getting points even against these top teams. And nobody really wants to hear Conte's whinging. I can't he's... believe he's asking for more money. 
Yeah, more money, more time. Absolutely I outstanding. Mean, yeah, like, how many windows does he want? I don't know. Well, literally, Levy mortgaged the club to keep it. I think he wants to replace every player twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, I must say that I had a one of the best days at the ground nonetheless. Um, and that was all because of a, a funny meeting. Shout out to Simon, who will be listening to this. Uh, Geordie Simon, who we might have on uh, on the show soon, because we do need a Geordie viewpoint, especially after how much fun we made of, um, of them last season. And if you listen back to those episodes, Simon, I do apologise now. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I met this chap because he was wearing a... Um, an original 1998 FIFA World Cup final France shirt with Zidane number 10 on the back. Um, so as you both know, my favourite player and uh, a much coveted shirt. And it was clearly an original. I could see that from down the concourse and I took note that somebody was wearing it. I also wondered why. And then he happened to uh, come into my row when we were uh, taking our places in the safe standing area at the up in the gods, as I said. And I just tapped him on the back. I said, great shirt, mate. And he leant in and I'm apologizing in advance for my uh, impression of the accent, but he's basically saying, I'm actually a Geordie man. <laughs> he said, um, I thought if I wear this, I'm not going to get so much aggro like. <laughs> and uh, we chatted a bit ahead of kickoff. And then uh, he had a mate who he was with, who was uh, a Spurs fan. But that friend of his had to leave the match early for uh, for whatever reason for his train and uh, that left old Geordie Zidane on his own and I went up to him and said shall we have a beer and one became two became a few and uh, we went I showed him the longest bar in Europe uh, George, George likes that uh, reference to the goal line bar below our stand and then uh, I showed him the match day pub as well uh, a favoured watering hole of the last 20 years or so for me and um, all I can say is uh, Spurs fans love a good defeat because the other thing is you might have seen on the TV coverage that there was an electrical storm at, at half time that was extremely fierce. It was we were all cocooned inside this glass uh, glass bowl. I saw the fair weather fans. They didn't but come yeah, out the exactly. Half. Yeah. <laughs> there were some fans uh Soft southerners who didn't want to brave it there. The away end, obviously, the Geordies were were all braving it some shirt, without, there's no without, doubt. Yeah, without their tops on. Yeah. Um, uh, Simon did say to me, yeah, you gotta be wary of those fellas. Uh, <laughs> if I didn't know. But uh, yeah, I smuggled him into the um, Spurs pub afterwards. And I've, I've quite frankly, I've never seen a man um, make so many friends so quickly. Um, <laughs> it was incredible. And also we met the uh, the owner of Classic Football Shirts, uh, that website where where um, you get such delights as an old... Uh, as an old Zidane shirt, and he he told uh, he told my new Geordie mate that is that that shirt would easily be sell for about two hundred plus two hundred and fifty quid on his site. So uh, it even had the date on the front of the of the World Cup final. It was really a great garment. Anyway, uh, we'll have him on a future show, and uh, and he'll give us a, a nice uh, Newcastle perspective. They he he does say he's giddy. He says uh, Eddie Howe's a great coach. He completely agreed with me on Conte he said it's a waste of good players that you've got there having watched that match from our end and yeah I think probably the uh the, the funniest thing he said about Newcastle was when I asked him uh, uh what his feelings about Steve Bruce were the the language was extremely colorful and uh not equivocal at all <laughs> so that was my weekend and I'm back tomorrow for uh, a crucial Champions League uh, game against Sporting in a very tight group where thanks to that win over Eintracht we're um, top on seven points but we really need the win 
at home against Sporting tomorrow because our last game will be away against Olympique Marseille in a stadium, George, which you admire greatly. Oh, yeah, it's one of the best in Europe, isn't it? The Stade Vélodrome. Mm. It's a group of very unique, yeah. magnificent stadiums, isn't it? It group. is. It mm. is really, really nice. It's been a great group because you never quite know what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I've rambled on enough, more than enough. Let's look ahead to uh, next week after the Champions League then. Leicester Man City is the lunchtime kickoff. Well, Leicester have just thumped Wolves, haven't they? So hopefully they've got um, uh, some good momentum to take in against uh, Man City and Haaland there. Go on, George. No, I was going to say fair play for them, sticking with Rodgers and yes. um, to dig them out of it because... He's solidified that, his position there, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Spurs are away at Bournemouth, where we usually do quite well. Wolves are at Brentford. Wolves are, as we said, they look like they're, they don't know what they're doing manager-wise. And uh, Brentford have just had a terrible thumping at the hands of uh, uh, Villa under their caretaker manager. Um, I've got a feeling, you know, Brentford, it's going back to your earlier question. I don't think Brentford are out of it. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're also quite... um, Never know where the wind blows there, do you? In my opinion, comes down to when they play. <laughs> uh, Brighton, Chelsea. Graham Potter back at Brighton. There's a narrative for you there. Crystal Palace, Southampton. Proper Saturday, three o'clock fair. Eddie Howe versus Unai Emery at St. James's Park. Fulham against Everton. That would be tasty, I think, and that's on TV. And then Liverpool leads is on a late Saturday night. A nod to the Premier League look after the fans, as always. Yeah, going to Leeds fans. Late yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> We all know how uh, effective and efficient those Transpennine trains are. All clocks whinging about uh, midday kickoffs and have paid dividends yeah, for him. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, that's all because of that, isn't it? All Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. I'm not. I'm being sincere. Arsenal at home to Forest, not on TV, but um, yeah, can't see an upset sadly. And Manchester United, West Ham. Yeah, West Ham love playing us, and uh, yeah, take a draw. So I'm going to uh, draw a line under it there, I think, since it's been uh, a great deal to catch up on this week. Sorry, listener, if you are terribly overwhelmed and confused, but uh, we'll be back next week with just one match day and one round of European games to catch up on. So back to normal, as it were. Can I just um, interject and say you've you've beaten West Ham the last four occasions? <laughs> I've actually got some horrible <laughs> memories away at West Ham. Yeah. We're at home this weekend, which helps. Ah. And I'm glad that you're there to stat check my my <laughs> yes, quick stat check. My, I think West West Ham fans. My favourite, uh, my favourite Man United West Ham. I think is uh, well. Firstly, the Decanio and Bartes, if we want to go that far back. But um, I was thinking Tevez. My favourite, my favourite in recent years was the uh, last ever game at the bowling ground. Yeah, the one where they taxis. Only Cody and taxis. <laughs> And they smashed up the bus, which no one remembers. And United needed to win to get Champions League that year. Oh, I remember. Horrible. Anyway. Yeah, let's leave it there then. Cheers, fellas. And uh, look forward to speaking next week. Thank you, Nick. Good evening. Was that, a, was that an Unai Emery good evening? No, good, thank you. good evening. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you, George. Hopefully, uh, better news next time. I'll keep coming along. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs>
Over the Line is the exciting new book by Alexander Gross on the unparalleled rivalry between England and Germany. It is an in-depth look at 120 years of Anglo-German encounters, from the Christmas truce to the recent success of Gareth Southgate's England. Over the Line is available on Amazon and all good bookstores from the 12th of September. Thank <laughs> you.